Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week we're going to be speaking about a number of topics. Svira Saimer. When's the earliest you can make a bracha? You go to Minyan, before Shkia they'd have Mincha, right afterwards they'd have in Mayrev. It's 15 minutes after Shkia. Can you sail Sphira Saimer with a bracha? Or should you sail later at night? I know by us in Shul Friday night, they make an early minion, they always give a clap, count Sphira Saimer, don't forget. And if I ever forget, it's Friday night. During the week, I have the app, I get an email and a text, but Friday night, that's the danger point. So should you, is there a way to count earlier? We'll see there's three opinions in the Paiskim. Fascinating topic, very relevant. We'll have Reb Chaim, Jachter, he's a Dayan, Rav, he's a Ram, Mechaber Meni Svarim, he'll be speaking about Sphira Saimer. Our next relevant topic for this week is Chometz Sha'ar Olav Pesach. An hour after Pesach, the pizza stores are her lines out the door. Pizza dough it's not like batter of a cake that you just mix it and you pour it in. It has to rise. Who owned this dough while it was rising? I mean, what happened to Chamrez Shalava Pesach? And we're not, our minig is not to sell Chamed's Gummer. Or the bagel stores. Or one guy told me, he said he saw cookies that before Pesach that had on them a label already of uh, not from before Pesach. We'll have Rabbi Yudel Shane, a mashkiach, an expert, and you know one of the ex- experts in America in Hersherim. He'll be speaking about the problems that we have with Chamet Shavar La Pesach, which Hersherim have a problem with it, which don't, etc. Basically, they could put up whatever sticker they want. So some of them used to go and put on the stickers that said what year it is. They'll put on 2022 or Tafshin Pays Bays, etc., etc. But it also means nothing. They could put it on whenever they want. He does not allow, I and others have asked, we want to be there when the Mechira is done. Nobody knows where the Mechira is done, when it's done, how it's done, and this and that. Very, very uh, svekadik, if you could realize it. We went into Kashrus. We're going to have Rabbi Mordechai Shane, who I remember still from the Mirror Yeshiva. He's a mashkiach ready probably 30 years. Many hotels he's given Hesharon, many simchas for all the major Kashrus organizations. And he'll be telling us some entertaining stories and some horror, pretty some horrifying stories too. Just now, it's reason the guy took my, the guy in my Yeshiva, in Yeshiva Bacha, went to a hotel for Pesach. And there was, you know, about five, six mashkichim. So he's speaking to one of the other mashkichim, and he asked him, you know, this, and then he asked him, you know, what do we do about Bishalakim? <laughs> so he told him, what's that? But before we go to our program, I want to speak about two things in the parsha. One is, B'zois Yavai Aaron al Aaron can only go in, the simple reading of the Pasuk is only on Yim Kippah, but the Gra, explained at length by the Meshachachma and the Rashash in the beginning of Yuma, bring Medrashim that say no. Later, Kehanim could only go in once a year. But Aaron HaKayin, he could go in any time he wanted, as long as B'zois, as long as he had the carbon. What's the message that Aaron could go in to Kaidish HaKadoshim whenever he wanted? I think the message is, is that every doyer or every community, you know, country has a certain tzaddik. And there are certain tzaddikim that the doors are never closed for them. You know, we just saw the passing of Reb Chaim Zechatzadik Levracha. There's so many stories of how by him the gates of heaven were always open. I want to share with you, people many times ask me, where, David, where do you go when you need a bracha? And it's not easy to find, you know, in America, so many of our great gedalim are gone. But recently I needed a bracha, somebody in the family was, wasn't well, I needed something really important. Or sometimes I have a real pressing thing, and where do I go to? Who to me is somebody who, you know, there's a yid, he lives in Lakewood. 
His name is Reb Shleim Kalbach. I don't know. He uh, he used to be the mashkiach years ago in Chaim Berlin. He was the Talmud of Rav Hotna in Machshava. And his, his children have told me over the years, they said, you know, he came out of Auschwitz in 1945. His father was the last Rav of Ahu. Ahu in its time was the biggest Rabbanus in Germany. Who were some of the Rabbanim in Ahu? Rabbi Yonis and Eibschitz, the Chacham Tzvi, Rabbi Tzikl Hamburger, the Knesset Yecheskel. His father was the left Rav. He had many opportunities to escape. His father said, as long as there's somebody from my community who needs me, I'm staying. So like Rabbi Shleimer said, he said, six of us entered the concentration camps. I was the only one who, who left. And his son told me he left in 1945. And in the 77 years since then, he hasn't missed his man Kriyashma. 77 years after leaving the concentration, with such an emuna, with such a behirus. So when I go to a, I need a bracha, that's who I go to. If you want to show your children what a real maimon is, what a, what a, psa, a varayid is, don't lose this opportunity to chaparayin you have by you, but it's a fascinating concept that there's always a tzaddik someplace that by him he can enter whenever he wants. I think that's a powerful message from this week's parsha. I want to share another message. And if you're one of those people who are tzaddikim and things usually go well with, you know, you're davening, you're learning in Amuna, fast forwards our riddles and our program. But if you're one of the people who struggle sometimes and things don't, you know, your avayda, your service, your relationship to Kaviyachal, your Amuna is not always where you want it to be. Ramayshi Katlarski told me a fabulous story. The head of the Chabad of Shluchim, you know, certainly. If he's not one of the Lamed Vav tzaddikim, I don't know who are. He said that when he was sent to Japan to open up the first Chabad house, this is, I don't know how many years ago, could be 40 years ago, could be 50 years ago. So he said the Rosh Hakol in Tokyo brought him to his house. So the house is made out of all these panels, these straw panels. You move a hair and a hair, he never saw it before. He says, What's, what kind of walls are these? The guy starts explaining the walls that move and this and that. What do you do in the winter? The wind blows through. Then he walks into the house. The guy says, please, Rabbi, take off your shoes. He says, why do I have to take off my shoes? Is it a base avalum over here? He says, no, no, it's it's in here in Japan. Okay. Then he said, sit down, rabbi. So he says, where do I sit? He says, well, sit on the floor. He says, sit on the floor. <laughs> There's no chance. Well, here. He says, there was he's one thing after the next. Then they bring him to eat. They bring him, he says, this green cylinder with white inside. And in the middle, there's something pink sticking out. It was like a, a sushi roll, who, whoever saw this 40 years ago. He says, but I didn't ask. He said, I, d- I had too many questions anymore. <laughs> I gave up asking questions. And what is this? You know, we look at the She'enu Yedei Elisha on the Haggadah. He's the idiot. The Ben HaTipish, you know, in the Haggadahs, they have a fellow with a thought, like his fingers in his mouth, round eyes, like looking around. That's one way to look at him. We could look at the Arba Banim as the four Jews there's the, the Chacham, there's the Russia, the Yid, he, he left. You believe. When Rabbi Yankiv Kamenetsky went back one time to Minsk, his brother was on the communist rule, looked at him and he says, Yankiv, ich in die Narischkeiten. You know, after 40 years of communism, you still, that's the Russian. He's still by the Seder, but he says, the next one is the Tam, the one who's Makabal, all the, the journey of the Kval Yisrael for the last 2,000 years. Betmimus, Freknish Kinshailas has a Muna Betachin period. What's the Sheini Yedel Ashol? He's not the Tam, he's not stupid at all. He's very, very smart. He's, he, rem- he saw the Chorban, and he saw the Crusades. And then he's the Yid, he saw Xeris Tachtat, and he saw the pogroms, and before that, the Inquisition, and then the Holocaust. And he says, you know what? I have no more questions. I have too many questions to ask questions. I'm a She'ena And he's one of the Dalad Banim who come to the Seder. I have so many questions, but I, I, I never stop believing, and I never stop showing up. And there's a holy service there.
There's a Tam person who doesn't have questions. He's macabre, you know. And there's the person who has questions. What do you do with all those questions? You know what? It's okay to have a lot of questions. Just come to the Seder. Show up. You know, the Gemara says, at the end of time, the Rabbi Shalom is going to make a circle. A circle. And they're all going to stand around the circle and they're going to point and they say, What's the concept of the circle? You know what the concept of the circle is? We all keep moving in life. And one person has a question. Something bothers him. Tzadik virale. And you know what he does? He moves. And the person you see at 40 is not the yeshiva bacha you saw at 15 or at 20 and at 60. And they moved away, 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 away. And this is another person. He's also growing. And he also has questions. And he also keeps moving. But as much as he moves, he always stays in the same place. And you know who that is? The person who moves in a circle, spinning round. You're always moving, but you never left that center, that Gemara, who you were when you were young, that book. It never leaves. You grow and you grow. And you could be a Shania Delishal, but I kept showing up. That's the circle. The Tzadikim, they didn't stop growing. They didn't stop it, but they kept going. They didn't, they didn't leave their place. You know what they recognized? What does Reb Nachman say? We had the gra. And now we're going to Rav Nachman. Oy, what a challenge Lichtenstein is. The Rav Nachman said, Kivoidei molei oilam, Mishorsav sheyalem zelazeh, Ayei mekayim kivoidei laritzei. Pashas means, where is it? And what did Rav Nachman say? No, no, no. It's not Ayei mekayim kivoidei laritzei, but Ayei is benichusa. Ayei means, where is he? That's the makayim. Makayim kivoidei laritzei. Shrouded in the, the unknown. What do we say in this week's parasha? It says, Ki ba'anon e roi alaka pyrus. The Rebbeinu Shalom says, I will appear in a cloud. You can't see through a cloud. What do they do in war? They make a smoke screen when you don't want the person to see you. And what is it? Vayered Hashem ba'anon. He came down to Har Sinai in an anon, in a cloud. And Zayra Kaddish says that, that ba'anon e roi alaka pyrus is the same cloud of Vayered Hashem ba'anon by Har Sinai. It's where we can see and where we don't know. That's Makayim Kavayde Laritzai. That's the Anan. So if you're one of the Tzadikim, again, I said you shouldn't be listening to this if you're the Tzadigamar, but if you're the person who sometimes struggles, whatever it may be, what does it say? I'll come to you in a cloud, in the unknown, the Aye, the Gambecha Yaminu Lailam. And it's, it's connected. If we understand that the Rabbeinu Shalem is often the Aye, it's the She'enye de Elishal, it's the unknown, the, un- the uncomprehensible. If we know that, then we could have Gam B'chaya Minulailam. We could have total Amuna. We understand it's, it's okay not to understand. It's okay to have lots of Shilas. What did a Chachamon say? Ah, you want a God who you could understand? You know, Eli Wiesel used to say over a story, he said when he was a, a, a boy in this, in, in this town of Hungary, I think it was in Sigit, he said a, a, a certain chacham came to the town, a rav, a tzaddik, he didn't, I don't remember who the name was. And he said, you know, there's always the child, the teenager who has a million questions. So he says he comes running over to the chacham and he grabs him and he says, why am I doing here in this world? Like, why are we here? What's the reason for existence? And what's the purpose of our... I go, you know, and the chacham looks at him and he says, why would you want to ruin such a good question with an answer. He says, the answers take the question and sort of, they, they, they make it small. But when you, if you can live with that question, why am I here? And it's okay to wonder, why am I here? Why would you want to ruin that with an answer?
or like the Kleisenberger Rabbi would say, he says, this, this is real Chesidish Atayra, is with silence, he says, Dmama. he says, with Dmama, if you can accept being a She'ene Yedei Elishal, if you can accept Aye, if you could accept the Yerit Hashem Ba'anan, if you could accept that, who are we to understand? How could we possibly understand? Then you could have B'Domai Yechayi, the Yerit Hashem Ba'anan, V'gam B'chayi Aminu Lo'olam. The Rabbi Nishom answered a Malachim who had so many questions. He said, Shtaik, silence. Kach Allah b'machshava. The concept of Shtaik is silence. Are we, can you be okay? Can I be okay with silence, with not knowing? So in all our journeys, remember, as long as they're in a circle around the Nakuda. So what's a message from this week's parsha? Ki ba'anan erel akapiris. The Rabbi Shalom lives He's a he's nizgala to us in Aye, and I don't know. And if you can understand that, and you can understand that it's okay to have many questions, then you know what? We could be zeichetu v'gam b'chayim in also. Let's go to our riddles of the week. I will put up the answers to the Pesach riddles blineda before Shabbos. So our first riddle is V'shamarte meschu koisai v'shpate ashiyasa asanum v'chai bohem Ani Hashem So what does the Gemara and Yuma say? V'chai bohem v'loyshe yamos bohem All the mitzvahs of the Torah are given v'chai bohem So if a person, let's say, is going to live or die or be mechal Shabbos V'chai bohem Kol mitzvah sheba Torah is v'chai bohem v'loyshe yamos bohem Question is, what does the Pasuk before say that? Kemaisi Eretz Mitzrayim. What is it talking about? All the Te'evos of Znus and Chulu, all that Raya, Loisasu. That's right before this, the Pasuk before. I don't understand. V'chai Bohem does not go on Arayas because that is a din of Yerig V'hal Yavar. So if right after the Pasuk Kemaisi Eretz Mitzrayim, what does it say? V'shmartem es v'chai v'chai bohem. It would seem that there's a din of V'chai Bohem even on Arias. So how could we say that there's three mitzvahs that there's a din on them? Yerig Val Yavar, when the etzem din of Chaibohem is comes directly after the parshas of Arias of Mitzrayim. That is L'chaira riddle number one, Dava Pella. Riddle number two, will ask a Sphira Saimer question. Shulchan Aruch, according to the way the Magan Avram and even the Mishnah Bur brings it this way, Nemzan, that you could sail from Zman Ben Ashmashis not only from Lila, but from Bein Hashemashes too. Safik Yom, Safik Lila, it's based on Iran, the last Ran in Psachim, where he says, since it's a Drabanan, so therefore we could count in a Zman Drabanan, which is Bein Hashemashes, and therefore you could be, have Tmimis, because you're starting even before the Lila. So it's, since it's a Drabanan, so you could be machnis yourself into a Safik and sail by Bein Hashemashes. Shabur brings us to Why do you say since Fierce, since Fierce, I am a Drabanan? You could sail in a time of a Safik Drabanan, isn't the klal always by brachas, safik drabanan lakula, and you don't make the bracha? If it's a safik drabanan, we say, you don't make the bracha, right? Lakula, for many different, whatever the reason may be, or an isolacis, or whatever, but we, everybody knows this. If you don't know if you made a bracha, safik drabanan lakula, you don't make the bracha. Here he's saying, since Firas Aimer is, bra- is a drabanan, therefore you can make it in a safik yom of safik layla of bein hashmashes. This goes against the whole klal of safik drabanan lakula by brachas. Those are our two riddles. We will be able to post the answers that we choose to the seven riddles uh, at the end of the thing. I know we got many answers as usual from many Talmud Echamim. We have to choose some answers, so all the rest of you, your answers may be correct, but, you know, it's like one person over here marks the tests, and uh, it's just one man's opinion.
If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's 02-372-0304. Let's go to our guests. Joining us from Tinek is Rav Chaim Jachter. He's the Rav of Shari in Tinek. Dying on the Bezdin of Elizabeth. He's a Ram. He's written 13 Sfarim, including those on Hochas Erevin, Grey Matter, One Reason to Believe, which I'm fascinated to, to see. Welcome, Rav Chaim. Welcome. Thank you for having me on the, on the program, Rav so, Chaim, you go to Davin Mincha Meirev, and, you know, it's a place, they Davin before Shkia, they do Mincha before Shkia, they do Meirev after Shkia, and they did finish Meirev, and they turn to you, Yudorov, and they say, should we tell Sirius Aymer or not? What do you tell yeah. them? Yeah, so I think really it depends on the shul, and it really depends on the community, and every rav has to understand their community, what the community can tolerate, and what he's going to gain uh, by uh, doing the Sirius Omer immediately or what he's going to gain by, by waiting until Tesla Kachavin. It's clear from both the Mishnabura and uh, Ravavaj Yosef, Yaku Yosef, so both from Sardic and Ashkenazic, that, that the Ikara Din, the baseline halacha, is acceptable to count the Omer from Shkia. Fundamentally, the, uh, the halacha accepts that Sirius Omer Bizman Hazdeh is Drabanan. And since Drabanan, during Ben Hashemash, the time between sunset and, and, and nightfall, is the time of Savig Yom Savig Laila. Uh, not sure if it's uh, day or night. And therefore, since, uh, since we're dealing with a, fundamentally a Chiv Drabanan, a rabbinic obligation, therefore there's, uh, there's room, there's, there's a fundamentally we can be, we can be lean. However, However, the postcoms, to say the least, are very, very encouraging of waiting until Tzitzit Kachavin. Mishibur and the Archa Shulchan even write to the minna is, uh, is, to, is to wait in Tzitzit Kachavin. So uh, it really depends on the shul. If they can wait, they can tolerate, they can wait in Tzitzit Kachavin. They should wait in Tzitzit Kachavin. And then, then the question is, well, how do you define what Tzitzit Kachavin is? Some shuls, the people are just not going to wait. And they're gonna, they just, they, they, they say, let's, just, let's, uh, they're gonna go home, and it's very likely they're gonna forget. So you have to figure out what you, what, you have to figure out what the schar and the hefzid is. What are you gonna gain or lose? Uh, a cost-benefit analysis, or is, is it, is it pay, uh, to wait, or is it, or is it not pay to wait? So let's, let's start earlier. You go to a minion, they start, they dive in mincha after plug. And right after plug, it's still an hour before shkia, they dive in myrif. And you're davening there. Do they have a right to sell Sphere Simer? And if they do, would you or wouldn't you count with them? Uh, okay. I would not count with them. I would not make a bracha on that situation. The Bir Halacha writes, the, the Iker Adin is, the fundamental base on Halacha is Shkia, not Plag Mincha. Now, Mishwood does know that there were communities that do this. I'm not aware of communities that do this today. I think even the most lenient communities don't, uh, will not count the, count the Sphere after Plag Mincha. After Shkia, yeah, you'll, you'll find. But, uh, after Plag Mincha, uh, no, and it shouldn't be done. And, uh, definitely not Say, Brachan, I wouldn't count either. Okay, so, but, but, but the Bir Halacha does discuss 
that when it comes to davening, you know, Myriv, or even saying Kriya Shema, they do it after plug. So the question is, why would we neman that when it comes to davening Myriv, we could do it after plug? When it comes to saying Kriya Shema, we could do it after plug. Why would Sirius Aimer be different? That's sort of the struggle yeah. of the Mishnah right. He says, and he does bring the Lavush, the Leo Rabba, the, the Chayadam, the Maimon Mardachai, right. who say you can't, even though he's against it. But why right. would you say, um, just in Lumbish, what's the difference between uh, Kriya Shema or, or uh, Mairev vis-a-vis, um, which need Lila, the Pashtas, vis-a-vis Sirius Aimer? I would say that uh, fundamentally Sfiras Omer started out as a Doraisa, and many Rishonim still say that it's Doraisa. So it has that thread, it has that remnant of the, of the Doraisa. So I'm um, just uh, you're asking the tough questions. You always do. You're a great interviewer, and uh, and uh, it's, it's a, not an easy question to ask. But perhaps uh, that's uh, really where we're at. And it's certainly, when you're dealing with Kriya Shema, so the first Rashi already in Shas already insists that you have to say Kriya Shema after uh, after Pesach Chavim. And uh, in Kriya Shema, there are various opinions that you could do it earlier. It may not be the definition of Lila, maybe a definition of Rishachucha. And uh, so, therefore, there's uh, there's more room to be uh, lenient. And again, Marev also maybe connected Hector Evarim Bedarim Shulas Fundamentally, even though we don't Lamaisa, we we've accepted it as a Chova, but fundamentally it's Rishus. It, it may be fundamentally different than uh, than Sfiras Omer on one hand. That literally literally is powdered after Sfiras Omer. That's a very wonderful story. You're saying that, but I mean, would would you agree, Rav Chaim, that according to let's say Tysus, you mentioned the first Rashi in Shas, so the first Tysus in Shas says that argues on Rashi, and he says you could do Kriyashma even from plug, would you say that Leitaisis, who says you could do Kriyashma from plug, you would be able to do Sirisimer from plug too? No. I mean, because that's, that's, right. that's also a Daraisa. Right, and even right, though it's right. not even a Srid of a Daraisa, it's a real Daraisa, we do it from right, plug. Would you say right. according to Taisis, you'd be able to do it from plug too? Right, right, right. No, because I, good question, another good question, but I think still it's fundamentally Uvashach Bukhah. It's a definition, it's not necessarily, Kriyashma not necessarily Laila, but it could be Uvashach Bukhah. So perhaps, uh, have a different definition. Let's say the Omer is patterned at the Ksiras Omer, the Ksiras Omer, which uh, definitely requires Lila. So perhaps uh, def- we're dealing with different categories. But the question is better than the answer. I, okay, I'll, so, I'll but, but which, which is why, by the way, he does bring a number of Achreinim, who, like we said, who do say even if the plug, but which is, like you say, not the accepted custom anywhere. Right. right okay, so now right, let's continue. Right. Not even the not accepted custom, but it's also not Nikaradin. It's not really the baseline halacha that the halacha says. So that's, that's, that's also a fundamental point to realize. Okay, so now let's go to Ben Hashemashis. Well, you say the Mishnah Brewer brings that uh, the 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 the, 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 um, the, the Magen Avram and many others who say Ben Hashemashis really says Ben Hashemashis. The Ran brings from the Rush that from Ben Hashemashis you could already tell Sira. But but here's where I think it, it's I think it's much more complicated than than people would imagine because Kiyadua there's a machlokes. Rabbeinu Tam and the Gainim, when Ben Ashmashis is. Is Ben Ashmashis when the sun goes down, or is Ben Ashmashis approximately 15 minutes later after the sun goes down, mm-hmm. which is Shitas um, Rabbeinu Tam, that Ben Ashmashis is three quarters of a mil before Tseis, and there are two right. Shtias, so, the, the, right. so it's still considered Yaim until it, this is a very rough 50 minutes after Shkia. Mm-hmm. So the question is since the Shulchan Aruch in Reish Samachalaf, Paskins like Rabbeinu Tam, would you say that according to Rabbeinu Tam, if you daven before 15 minutes after Shkia, you're still not davening Ben Ashmashis, you're still davening me by Yaim, and still you're davening me by Yaim, it's not Ben Ashmashis yet according yeah. 
to even according to the Magen Avram, you wouldn't be able to have a din of a Mayanim by yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, smart, very smart question. But I think when we work with Lamaisa, our definition of well, we, well, no, we depends on we depends on the community and the Hasidic community. I think certainly with the Rabbanon seem to do accept uh, the, the Rabbeinu Tam. But I would say outside the Hasidic community, I think they uh, they, they accept it as the the Gaonim and the Gra. Sardin fundamentally accepted that that is Shkia is, is, is sunset, and uh, therefore. Uh, <laughs> You know, even though yes, the Shochanach, but uh, but fun- yes, we, it's the same Shochanach that we're relying on. Says fundamentally that Sfirat Omer Rabbanan didn't count from Shkia, but for the definition of Shkia, that we go by what we would accept as Shkia. So you're saying those who go like Rabbeinu Tam, if we hold like Rabbeinu Tam, it would be very problematic. But if you hold like the Goinim, then you could then Ben Ashmashi starts by Shkia, and you could That's do it correct. then. That's that's now, now, interestingly, by the way, Mishnah Bura says we should really start by Rabbeinu Tam. He, he, he goes like to, he's really machmer on this. He comes down strong. You see, he points out, look, it's not just the Rambam and the Sefer Chino who believe that Sfirah Soma is Doraisa. He brings a slew of other Rishonim that believe that it's Doraisa. So he's pretty stuck that you should try to wait till Tzayfah Kachavim. So you're saying that, that when the Shulchan Aruch HaMedagdikim and Emsayf from Tzayfah Kachavim is because the Medagdikim HaChoshish for the Shittas that holds it to Doraisa, which yes. is the Rambam and others. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a Miyat Paiskim, but that's why it's called Medagdi. It does say Bidiyevit if you're a Medagdi for Mitzvah. So I want to throw an idea at you, Rabbi Yechat Rabchaim, and, and I didn't see this in the Paiskim. I'm curious as to your opinion. So we have three opinions. We have Plag, which you said mostly we don't hold of, even though if it helps, the, which the Mishnah bruises it to you, even though it helps for, for Kriyashman thing, it doesn't help for a thing. You said a very good Sfara. Mm-hmm. That's called Manshiva, but here you need Mamashlaila. Benash Mashis, Vidrabanan. Since it's time of Drabanan of, of Lila, so we could do it. And but the Machmirim says to be able to the Daraisa. Now in America, most people do not hold of Rabbeinu Tam, but we paskin like the Gainim, not like the Shulchan Aruch, interestingly, but most of us in Eretz Yisrael, right. I don't know anybody in Eretz Yisrael who keeps 72, maybe except for certain briska or whatever, but almost nobody, none of the B'nai Tzai, so we see we hold like Rabbeinu, like the, like the Shittas HaGainim. So the question yeah. would be like this, since we hold like the Gainim, and the Gainim Ikara didn't say, when is Zman Shkia? Shloisha Rivei Mill, when is say three quarters of a mill, which is give or take 13 and a half minutes yeah. after sunset, yeah. So would you say, look, according to the Gainim, Tseisakechavim is 13 and a half minutes after mm-hmm. sunset, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're davening more than 13 and a half minutes after sunset, mm-hmm. since most of the world holds like the Gainim, now you could sail Sirius Iber. The Yaitza sided the Drabanan and sided the Raisa, because since we hold like the Gainim, let's consistently right. hold like the Gainim and say we could davening Kriyashma or slain Sirius Iber, even according to the Medagdikim, after 13 and a half minutes. What would you say to okay. that, Sarah? Now, now, and that's an excellent question. But the, the problem with it like this, the graph on this, Says, says straight out that uh, the, the, uh, the that uh, the uh, the of the Gaonim of thir- of uh, Vaimil, right is thirteen yes thirteen and a half minutes but only thirteen and a half minutes in Yerushalayim on the days of the equinox so the uh, so, so the summer days are longer so it's going to be uh, or even the even the spring ready at this point once we're past uh, March twenty first so it's good, so it's longer and also the further away you get from the equator the longer 
as long as the time is before it, before it gets dark. You up to 18, it could be up to 18 minutes long. 18 minutes, like maybe 20 is the long. So let's say, yeah, let's say 18 minutes. minutes. So it's 18 minutes. I think they, let's say it's 18 minutes late, which I believe the those who work in it say that's the longest that we've ever had. It's 13 and a half. If it's 18, don't line 20. Could you say, look, you're having 18 minutes. We'll color sheet just now. Except for a bit of time, even the Daraisa, you would be. And, and I asked you, and you're the, you're the rabbi. Would you say, would you say, sell Sarasayim or a bracha? 20 minutes, yes. 20 minutes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think so. Yeah, for sure. 20 minutes. Okay. Let me ask you another question. So the, the Shulchan Aruch says an interesting din. If you're davening with an, an oilum that's davening shalei bismane, mm-hmm. and it's not exactly what it means, so the Shulchan Aruch says count without a bracha. Right. And then, and by night, if and 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 the Magen Avram says an interesting thing. He says, and, and by night, count again with a bracha. So the Magen Avram, which mm-hmm. the Brewer brings famously, says, he says, count without a bracha. So I'm counting conditionally. If I remember to count later, then what I'm counting now, I don't want to be eight. So I'm going to count later with a bracha. And if I don't remember, I'm going to count now without a bracha. So you go to Schultz, Minchamayrev, and it's they, they they either they finish before Shkia or they finish five minutes after Shkia, and you say, don't count. Would mm-hmm. it be wise for a person then? to say, look, let me count all tonight. I'm going to say today is X number of days to the Eimer. Right. Right. And I'm going to do it conditionally. If I don't forget right. later, I have, you know, I have either the, 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 the I counted Ben Ashmashis, or I was saying Mechandeli, or whatever. The, and then if I count again later, I'll count with a brach. I'll do it on a, we don't see anybody does this. And I'm curious as to, is it just out of ignorance? And would you advise your Mispalim to do that? You're afraid absolutely. you're going to forget? Count it tonight without a brach and then count. You absolutely was. A hundred percent. I must tell you that I think that uh, in, in certain situations, I think you're better off in uh, counting at uh, uh, Shkia, after Shkia, in certain situations. You, know, you, you just play it safe, or at least do this tonight. I, 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 got, a, I got a Shiloh from a Talmud who was at the net game on Kolomoid uh, Wednesday night after Shkia, and he's on the line there at the, the kosher stand, and, and I said to count right there, and then you're at a ball game. You're not in the shul. It's very... It is very possible you're going to forget, you're going to get caught up, and you're going to lose it, and you're going to, and uh, so, you know, tafasta mua tafasta. Asala purta. When you're too ambitious, then sometimes you lose that. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a story to tell you. This is a, it's very embarrassing for a young Rav who uh, wanted to, uh, to be machmer in Shriya He didn't count when the shul was counting after 20 minutes, actually 20 minutes after Shkia. And he said, I, I want to wait for a bit of time. So he went the first night, first, first night of counting, second night of the Seder. So he, 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 uh, he didn't count in shul. Meanwhile, he comes home to the Seder, you know, the little kids, everything's all, all hectic, and he forgets. And he doesn't realize the next day. And guess what? He's out of the box already. He can't count with a brach. And he's the rub of the shul. He's the rub of the shul. It's embarrassing for him. So, uh, and why did, it, why, did it, why did this happen? Because he was too ambitious. He tried to hop in Rabbeinatam. He should have put this tonight. And, and let, him, let him try to get Rabbeinatam. But you know what? You, you, you have to. So let me ask, yeah. let me ask you, Rabbi Jan, Rabbi Jan, Rabbi Jan, let me ask you a question. So many shuls in America, Davin and early Shabbos, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Would it make sense? After Myrif, it's still it's either at sunset, before sunset, for the Gabe to give a clap and to say today is fifteen days to the Aimer, everybody count but tonight. Say today is fifteen days. If you remember later, make it with a bracha without it. You could be Simon Badiyevit on the Leo Rab or if it's after Shkia on the on the Bainash Mushes. Would you say they should count without just give a clap, everybody count without a bracha? I've never seen that, but it'd be a wonderful thing for Ali Minyanin, no? 
I would agree to do that after ski. Not after plot, but after ski, I think that's an excellent idea. I think it's a perfect idea. There's another Tzad Lahakel uh, for Shabbos, uh, and that is, is the Taz who holds that the calendar date has changed once you've accepted Shabbos. And most of the have accepted that. I don't think Mikro Dinah Mishabur follows that. But, uh, or Rav Rajah Sayyidim for Sfaradim also. Mikro Dinah didn't follow that. But, uh, but, uh, but it's a Tzad. There's another Sniff Lahakel, and that's the next idea. So, so, uh, so let me ask you a, a question. Let's go off, off, off. We'll go off base a little. So the Rav forgot the first night. It's very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's the second night, and they ask him, no, mm-hmm. the Rav tells Sirius Aimer. Yeah. So what would you advise this Rav to do? Uh-huh. Okay, so there's a Shevet Alevi. So uh, Rav Ludner is, is Nakel in this situation. But... Uh, well, on, on what grounds? Because that, that, I guess Mikor, 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 Adin, he feels uh, Iker, 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 that we don't really follow, follow the Bahag, we'll be showing don't follow the Bahag, uh, that if you miss one day that you're, that you're out. And so I guess it's covered up real. Uh, so, it, so it, I have, so, so there's a story with, there's a story with the base of Levy. There's a story with the base of Levy where he forgot. Yeah, yeah. And, and what he did is he told his Gabe not to, to, not to make a bracha. So he said, I, I'm going to make the bracha to be married to you and I have a right to do it because you are Mechayu Bebrachas. I'll make it for you. So now it's, it's like Kiddush. I'm making it and you're a Mechayu Bedavar. Mm-hmm. That was the idea. But I think the other the other is what you said is is that according to Talina but if saying a bracha, you know, with Shem B'Malchus for, for a Kavano or Shem Shemayim, mm-hmm. it's not an Issa Darais, it's only Drabanan. Right? And according right. to the Magen Avram, yeah. So, so, so now you have a case where you have Kavid Abrius of the Rav, Right and God will cover the brius. Doicha loisa says shebetayr b'shev al tafi, but it's certainly doicha drabanan. For he should be able to make it. Old God will cover the brius. I wouldn't no because sometimes the rav no because the, the rav has to set an example and the rav can be honest and he's a human being and he forgot the omen. But he's still happen. he's still a very you just said it's very embarrassing. If it's very embarrassing, that's the very definition of God will cover the brius. I understand, but I, I think it has to be within. Coming up, real really has to be an acute embarrassment. It's embarrassing, but uh, but the but the rav has to be real and appreciating. The people will appreciate when the rav is uh, it, it comes across as a genuine human being. And uh, and and yes, he made a mistake. And Rav Yosef is 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 so is so against that. Stop. But you say the Shevet Levi was with Baruch Shekivanti said this reason. I'll call the The Shevet Levi does. I I'm not sure if he uses cover up Brios. I, I I'm on the impression that he maker maker a DNA he holds uh, not like the bag, which is difficult. You're saying that you're saying that it's much more embarrassing in B'nai Brak than it would be in Tinek for Rav to do this. I don't know. I, I think anywhere the, the Rav, I don't care where he is, he could be in Antarctica. The, the Rav has to set an example for the community. He, he and uh, and he has to be honest. If the Rav forgets Yalaviyavo, he should you know Shachar Siminka, he should repeat it. Yes, it's embarrassing for the Rav to do that. But you know what, the Rav's a human being, and he's setting an example for the people of the community that if they uh, they forget Yalaviyavo, you repeat. You are uh, setting an example. You you lose a day uh, that you uh, you don't continue counting with the bracha. It's, it's also it's uh, the Rav has to be has to be the role model. It's it's it's, it's an essential part of what what the Rav is uh, doing. Okay, so I had a Shaila a few years ago, and I didn't have a pistol into it. Maybe you could help me. I learned. He says that if a person counts Sirius Aimer and he says it's the 15th day and he says today is 16 minus one days to the Aimer, Rekivega says he ate Sirius Aimer. So I wanted to dive in for the Ahmed and count this way. What was my suffix? One suffix is it makes it a little bit of a 
Alatzanas on the other hand. On the other hand, everybody's going to come screaming and say, let's take out a Shulchan Aruch, learn Hilchah Sirisheimer, so you can be Mekayim Lima the Torah too. Not only Yaitzi Sirisheimer, you're Mekayim Lima the Torah too. What do you say? Do I do it or don't I do it? No, no. Don't do it. I very much, as a Rebbe, I very much, and as a Rav, I very much enjoy clever ploys to Kadeish Yishalu Atinokos, but it's, you know, we try to avoid things that Milford the tomorrow Rabin that the, the community is going to find uh, highly unusual. Uh, you remind me of a story that also happened with Rav Yosef where uh, someone in the Chaz in the Shul uh, counted the wrong day and, uh, and the people screamed out, no, they <laughs> Once they screamed out, then you have a whole Shiloh. Can they, can, yeah. can they make the, uh, can they, now can they make the bracha? Yeah. For Chaim, it's always an honor to have you on. Thank, Thank you so you. much. And I, I, really, I really enjoyed being interviewed by you. Excellent uh, question. Thank you so much. Cult of a good chair. Bye-bye. Joining us from Lakewood, New Jersey, is the famous Mashkiach, Rebutal Shane. He's a noted Mashkiach. He's a Dayan. He's a Mite. He's 50 years in Hashgacha experience. Uh, he's done work for Avlandau, the Chayel Levracha, Rabbi Rubin, the OU, the OK, the Chafke, done many hotels. Welcome, Rebutal. Rebutal, when it says baked after Pesach, does it really mean it? I have one listener who sent me an email. He says he's seen stickers on cookies before Pesach that say baked after Pesach. Like, what does that really mean? Basically, they could put up whatever sticker they want. So some of them used to go and put on the stickers that said what year it is. They'll put on 2022 or Tafshin Pays Bays, etc., etc. But it also means nothing. They could put it on whenever they want. But if they could write baked after Pesach. When was the dough made? which I spoke yesterday to a pizza store in Lakewood. I said, could you tell me how you operate that you open up Matzi Pesach with pizza? He says, well, I'm under the local KCL Ashgacha, and they allow me to make all my pizzas and wrap them very well. I make them all before Pesach and keep them in the refrigerator. I turn on my ovens so they're nice and hot, and right after this man, I come down, and we knock out pizzas. I say, no problem making the, those. I say, because when I ran my hotels, I never let them bring in hummus sticker pizza to keep in the freezer sold to the guy. It didn't exist by me. So then people didn't have no, no uh, musty paste of pizza. But he says that's the way it is, and that's the way it is in the industry. Now we have another issue. Let's call it the sourdough issue. Sourdough, if anybody knows how to make sourdough, it's, it's a long process. I had somebody calls me up that he gets sourdough chalas from a lady because he supplies her with certain goat milk and other things he gives, and she gives him that back. He has a number of chalas in, the, in his refrigerator, in his freezer. Could he sell that with his chalas? I said, no, you can't sell it with your chalas because it's only made for commercial places to sell. And But I said, you may have a bigger problem. What is the lady do with her sourdough? He says, no, she told me she makes it fresh every week. I say, it's not true. I say, I know more about sourdough than she does. It can't be made fresh. You have to build on it. You take off part of it and you keep on building and building and building. I said, ask her what she does with her sourdough because it's definitely not just a year old. It must be 50 years old. So yes, so she, she says, you know, you're right. I go and give it to my mother who owns a bakery and the commercial, we could sell the chametz, and she sells the chametz. And then after Pesach, I take it back. So I told this person, I really don't know if I would want to use the sourdough from such a thing. If she'd be a commercial place and she is taking her own, because she definitely doesn't want to have that the guy is going to come and pick up a sourdough, because if she has to start from scratch again, it's a long process to get a good sourdough. I said, I, and then I found out that one said... Wait, so you're throwing in too many... Okay. What do you mean the difference between selling commercially or selling personally? Okay. 
that was the Shlomo Zalman Orbach and a number of other ones. When I asked them, can a person sell real chametz? Chametz gamar, right? Chametz gamar. So he told me that the takana was made for commercial establishments that they have a lot of chametz that they could sell. It was never made for an individual person to sell his chametz. But now meaning is that we don't sell chametz gamar, correct? Right. The rice of the Gichamets. You sell Drabana the Gichamets, but you say commercials, they get a hetta to sell Chametz Gummer. So you're saying then Correct. that the pizza places in Lakewood that you mentioned that sell their their pizza doughs to a guy before Pesach, that's done halachically correct according to Rabbi Shlomo Zalman. Correct. So anytime we buy pizza, Matzah Pesach, in effect, we're being Saimach on this cooler that they allow the commercial bakeries to sell Chametz Gummer. Correct. Now, any of these pizza stores, would they really let the guy come and pick up his the doughs to take it from there? If it was an Erlacher person, they would. I mean. Yeah, okay, but the Lameister, they're preparing it, they're waiting, it's the big dollars, they're going to make Matsi Pesach on the pizza. And so it depends how Erlach the person is, right? Okay, yeah, but, but again, it's what does the person do? There was a Meister very recently where the guy came to uh, the Moshe Sternbuch, who he sold to that guy, and he says, I want to have some of the schnapps that we have. That I bought. So the Moshe Amr said, I don't have any schnapps at home. So he says, go to all the people we sold. So he went to some of the other people, and everybody gave him. You wanted schnapps to drink, he gave him the color covered. If the Pesach, the Moshe Amr asked him, what was the reason for this thing? He said, I'll tell you the truth. I married a Jewish woman who is completely fry. And she told me that you should know that this whole Mechir's Chomet is baloney. They would never give you anything of the thing. And he says, I came down, and I tried, and I tested, and I told her it's not true. And I got to tell you, I'm considering to become a gay. If a, you could have a religion that the people are so emistic about it and they gave me as much schnapps as I wanted to have, this and that was at any problem, he says, I'm thinking to consider to go uh, to become a gay. Fascinating. Yeah. Very nice story. It is. So, so how is it possible? So you're saying all the places that, in other words, when you go into the bakery, into the, your, your, your grocery, uh, you know, the day after Pesach, Sunday morning, and there's breads and there's cookies and there's cakes, was that all baked from scratch after Pesach, or was all that also okay, stuff so that was I frozen beforehand? All of them. Okay, I can't tell you about all of them. We have one bakery here called Hershey's Bakery, which is under the Satmar Dayan, which I got the thing set up, and I set in all the protocols, what, the way I would want it done. He buys flour that's delivered to his place on Matzi Pesach. He has no flour in his place or anything, or dough, nothing is made at all, but he doesn't sell bread or rolls for breakfast. He only does cakes and cookies and these type of things. So he's not under the gun that he's got to have for the people, either Matsyantev or by 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. So that's the way he does. What the other ones do over here, and they have it that early in the morning, I don't know how they're doing it if they don't have things put away in the refrigerator or in the freezer or whatever else it is. Then I know others, I can't recall now the fact that basically they they, they used to put all that those that they needed they put in the freezer the last day Chalamoid they had a guy go in and take out all that stuff from the freezer so everything thaws out that they should be able to have right away from what's the Yontif and others had that the guy also went and turned on the stove for the pizza store whatever else it is that it should be hot when they come so the, on the last day Chalamoid that's what they used to do if others are allowing it or they're doing with the reshus of the Rabbanim or not I have no idea I don't buy from these bakeries beforehand. I have a bread machine at home. I bake for the first few days. I bake my own bread. Afterwards, okay, now I'll go down and get what the bakeries have. I'm not interested in getting any of these things. You kept it. You didn't keep it. I'm not, I'm not interested in these things. Tear the cerebral that I'm a doctor, the mitzvah should certainly not be buying pizza or bagels or anything, much Shabbos. And even the first day after Yom Tif, very with, with great caution. 
Correct. Unless he knows definitely what that bakery does and the airlock, and he gets the right time of the day of how they do it, that they start with flour, they have nothing there beforehand, then color covered. In particular, what is sourdough used for? Like, you know, you say a cake is very easy to make the next morning. You know, you no, can put no, some... You don't, no, no, no. Sourdough, it's... But, sourdough is, of... but a sourdough is much more problematic, and it had to be... What doughs would you say take time to rise? And with these, you should have caution, whereas a cookie dough or, or, or just a sponge cake, you would say, like, walk us through. What would you look at and say, yeah, yeah okay. be let, careful let's take, and Hannah? Let's take one, one of the companies I was in was Nabisco. They used to have most of the things which they made for cakes and cookies or whatever else it is. They called it a sponge, and they let it stay in order that the yeast should be able to work. They've never used it the same day they made it. It was always made today for tomorrow and sometimes for two days later. And it rose. They kept it in a, in a kind of warm room, and it was called a sponge. They never used it as that. But now what they're using, I know I've, I've been in enough commercial bakeries, and they, they make the dough immediately, and they make it, and it, does, it doesn't take much time. Bread, you need some more time for rising. Chalice, you need time for rising. Cakes never need any time for rising. Unless you have a cockroach cake, you'll need. If it's a yeast dough, you need time for rising. If it's not a yeast dough, you don't need no time for rising. What other chametz shavar of a piece of advice could you give our listeners? Well, we have, um, uh, everybody's always, they think they can't leave an airport without uh, buying by uh, duty-free shops the schnapps. But basically, a number of these places are owned by Jewish people, which I would say that they don't sell the chametz because they're open on Chalamud and they're open Pesach, etc., etc. And the question is, how could you go buy any of the stuff that they have there, even if the manufacturer is on the list of the Aku list and everything else like it, but how could they do it? Which are owned by Jews? I don't know, but I know I've gone through it. The, the, the one in Ben-Gurion Airport we know is owned by Jews. Uh, but I, I picked up recently, somebody sent me an email that, the information that he found out was that the ones that are in between in, in USA and Canada, a number of them are owned by Jews. So I wrote to Rabbi Fishbane, because I know he did research on some of these in, in Etzisrael. The, are you familiar with what the story is? So he says he received the same email from that person, and they're doing research on it, and in a couple of days we'll get back. So I don't know an answer. Okay. Uh, which supermarket chains, etc., would you say do you have to be concerned about? Okay. Let's take, um, which I got the information uh, a couple of days ago, in the five towns. Five towns allows the stores to buy from CNS distributors. CNS is known as a Jewish company. They go through a very, very shvacha mechira. Rabbi Belsky told it's not uh, uh, mechira to be relied upon. If B'dyevet and B'dyevet and this and that is on the design that M'tigangan and Gess and Emes and go through that kind of mechira because they're buying stuff during Yom Tif, etc., etc. They operate that place as if there was no mechira or anything else like it. So... The, but I know in the five towns, they allowed them to buy from CNS right after Pesach and everything else like it. And somebody called up last week. They said, we go along with the Aku list and the Star K list. Okay? But if you look on the Aku list and the Star K list, they don't allow to buy from places that are getting from CNS. And yet, you guys are going. So you're, you're, you're fooling yourself and you and everybody else as if you're going with the Aku list and the Star K list. You're not going with it because they say so, not to buy from them. And you are. So what about in areas like Borough Park, Flatbush, Muncie, Lakewood, they buy from CNS? Some then? are getting from them and some are not. I don't know who, but over there is, because CNS, I think, is located in Long Island. So the, the, the Farf Tan area is, that's where it goes. And the, Okay, what, what other Hamish uh, Avralova Pesach advice can you give us? Okay, now let's take, how is the Mechira done 
Is it acceptable, not acceptable, etc.? So I know that I've, I've been by a couple of places when they did the Mechira, and I was more to them certain things, etc. I was there this year also. There's a Rav happens to be that most of the places on Lake would sell through a certain Rav. He does not allow, I and others have asked, we want to be there when the Mechira is done. Nobody knows where the Mechira is done, when it's done, how it's done, and this and that. Very, very... Uh, if you could relaunch. I know that Moshe used to encourage people to come to the Mechira. Satmarov encouraged. And Moshe Sterenbuch. I bought them all over encouraged that at least there should be two, three people there that should be a, a Besden. And people should be there to be able to observe. And if they have any auras or whatever else it is, they encourage for people to come. But this Rav, who's doing most of Mechira's based in Lakewood, is not the, does not allow anybody to come and nobody knows where he does it or what he does. Was so there was a Rav came from New York. Opened up a shul here two, three years ago. So I told somebody, I think you should sell through that Rav. Even someone has his contact is going in New York. And that's what he's doing. So he gets back to me after Pesach, and he says that this Rav decided, why does he have to handle with his guy over there? He went and did Mechira by everybody in the shul, and he went through this Rav, and he went to Mechira over here. He figured if everybody in Lakewood is accepting it, he's also going to accept it. I check up that nobody's there, nobody ever saw what the guy does in all the years. I don't know. Give us, what, what else, Hametzar Allah Pesach Aris would you have? I had an interesting call about uh, somebody got, you know, the rabbis have 12 chalas. So somebody, over all the years, this and that, he was urged to get one of those 12 chalas. And he's got it in his freezer, he uses it. So he wants to know what should he do, Pesach. I say, you can't sell it. He says, but this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. He said, I can't, I can't separate from that kind of thing. I said, well, ask what the other ones are doing with the rabbis. I said, but I don't know about Hatton. I said, you're not a commercial place. There is no Hatton. If you're going to give it a commercial place, it's very schwach to say that you can really lie that the commercial place is selling it. It's, you know, it's, it's really a chuch with the lula. Wait, wait. Rabbi Yudal, unless I'm incorrect, I remember. The Bishtabur says you can't sell Hamid's gummer. It's not a lechatchila. But you could certainly do it. So you could tell this guy, listen, if it's so valuable to you, so you'll do it at the end of the I mean, you know, to a shoyer, it's to Edera, said Ahmed's Gummer, they don't. But there are those that certainly said that you could sell Ahmed's Gummer. Why can't he be Simech on those Paiskin? Because you're selling Hamid's Gummer, is your material really with the full heart when you know that this is a thing, a once in a lifetime yeah. item that you get? Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. But, I, but even if not, Rebutal, if these are Dvarim Shabalev, if you do a real Mechira that's legally binding, your heart is in it, your heart isn't in it, Lamayin Afgamina, you have a legally binding document that you're going to honor, even if you didn't want to do it, and, and that's, you know, Dvarim Shabalev ain't in Dvarim, and you have a, you have a real Mechira. Okay, if, if, if that's what they want to rely on, they feel that they could put their heart out and everything okay, else. I know, I know people, Rebutal, how many, yeah. there must be people when they say, Hareya Mukudesh Asli don't mean it with their whole heart, right? But they're still going to need, they're still gonna okay. need to get that, uh, you know what I mean? The halacha is binding, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, they gave me, um, they wanted me to be uh, aid by the by the aid condition a number of times. So I told her off, I can't go, it takes me a now, I have to be chayza b'tshuva. So he said, I have no problem. I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to announce from the thing that Rabbi Shane has to be chayza b'tshuva, we'll do the chuppah in an hour. You'll see how fast it works. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me just ask you in general, Rebuttal. I had on the yeah. um, the head of the OU, and he said, "Isn't it a pella that the OU is the largest hashgacha in America, right, in the world?" Correct. But there's not a single hotel in America that has an OU hechsha. Correct. And I, I asked you why. And I asked him why. So he said because we require it's usually four mashgichim to run a kitchen. Nobody wants to pay for four mashgichim, so therefore nobody will take the OU because our our our. Uh, we have stringent standards. That's what he told me. So I ask you, 
like, you know, there are a lot of Yureyim, Shleimim, Erlacha people who go to hotels for Pesach. Isn't it Taka Pella that, you know, nobody for Pesach, which is the most Chomer de Gizman of Achila, would pay for an OU Hashgacha because it's too stringent? So, so let, 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 let me address it. I was given Hashgacha by Greenwald Hotel, most probably about 15, 16 Pesachs. I decided three years ago at Khan. It, it just it took the koiches out of me a whole year. I was I was sick a whole year from it. I decided I'm not going to continue. I get calls from a number of the people that used to come there every year, and they said, "How could you do such a thing?" He said, "We're relying on you. We know that everything is 100% when you're doing this now." So I say, "You know what? This year I'm not going to do it. But if I know that 15 to 20% of the people are not going to go to the hotel this year because of it, I'll go back to it." I went and checked after that. Kamat, there was nobody from the and this was don't forget that the real error Yeshiva Shafruma people, every single one of them Kamat was back in the hotel without me being there. So I said, don't ever ask me. And then others called me up so I could do hotels for them for basic. I said, absolutely not. The people, they'll look for the best, this and that, but they'll manage with everything else and nobody is restricting themselves, this and that. And I got a handle to the OU, which I know that I've sent others to try to get Ashgach for pace for the issues of the OU. They said the OU is too tough and the OU has no problem. On a dime, they will drop the Ashgach if you don't follow their things to the T. And I give them a lot of credit for that. That's the way it should be. And I know I had a, a very hard time. I did have enough mashgichim, this and that. But what they're talking about for mashgichim, they mean that each one could really run a kitchen. It's not that there's one guy that really knows how to run a kitchen. And the other ones are, you know, it's very feasible to mention. But no, they, they, they you know, would you eat? Did. Would you eat in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Pesach uh, hotel? Definitely not. And not because I don't know, because I do know. And I'm going to tell you like this. I had two brothers that were mashgichim by me in uh, Pesach, I was not too happy with them, so I told them after Pesach that I'm not taking back them back next year. They went, they got a job in a different uh, hotel, and they the recommendation that they went and gave, which I told them not to, but they did. They said, I worked for this Pesach under Rabbi Shane. They called me up after Pesach, the two brothers, and they said, we've got to tell you, we came over there, mashgichim, this and that, we saw the rest of them, what they was. After the first day, we lived on matzah and fruit, the rest of Yontif. We wouldn't eat anything in the hotel, because of what we learned from you, how a kitchen has to run, we will not eat, and we are not returning to any hotels at all for Pesach, because it's impossible the way they run it, and they said they went to one of the better hotels with the better Ashgacha, but they would never touch any of Explain why. Well, explain to me. You, you, very simple. you have to assume that the Mashiachim, there are Aralucha people, what are they doing wrong? I mean, you have Bosh and Asalem is a very, very common thing that's happening. The kitchen, they're working at night, etc., etc. You have on, I had, I had one time they put up the pacha. It's got to cook overnight. And I told him as years before, he closes up, make sure that if anything is on the stove or the oven, whatever else it is, make sure it gets sealed. I come in the morning and I see that that pot is not sealed. I asked him as years, he says, you know, he didn't notice he thought it was an empty pot over there. We took him, we dumped it. Hello, but one these, are, these are not Pesach questions. These are all year questions. Okay, Solomon Ayin is not a Pesach question. Okay, there's so much, so often that you have that items are coming in and the Mashgiach doesn't check the skid that came in every single item because, you know, it comes into the loading dock and they're unloading the stuff and putting it in the freezer, wherever else it is. They, they don't know what it means that nothing gets unloaded unless the Mashgiach is standing there and every item is checked and there's very often items that are coming in that are not Pesachic or not approved by the Hashgach when it was, etc. Number one. Number two, the, go, the Goyim that are the workers in the hotel have to be fed 
also. Right. They don't want to live off your paste of type of food. They they despise it. They want to have bread, rolls, etc., etc. So usually you give them a side room someplace, and you have some hot food, eggs, or something else, so you give them over there, and then they sit in their side room, that's what they eat. When the delivery of their bread and rolls comes in, it's not brought in to this guy, the delivery guy from the bakery knows where to bring it. So he brings it in, as always, into the main kitchen. You come up over there, there's a couple of breads and boxes of bread and rolls and everything else over here. Now you got to get it out of here and get it to the right place over there. Nobody should have slept it out, but you have your waiters are coming and they see boxes in the kitchen where we need this. And Hamid's things and Pesach things look very much similar alike. So they could slept from here, slept from there. So you need somebody that's constantly there. If they deliver it here, not always they deliver it in the kitchen, sometimes they'll put it into the tea room, wherever they put it. If you don't have enough people around and they, they have the, the, the forte to be able to stand their ground, this doesn't come in here, this takes it over this day. And I couldn't control the bakery in one place, so what we did was, what we as soon as the bakery made the delivery wasn't in the right place, we dumped it in the, in the dumpster. You, the goyim are not going to get it till they'll learn to tell them where to deliver it, because we can deliver it to our area, it goes into the dumpster, and goodbye, Charlie. And that's only some of the items. There's so much stuff that comes in that's not Pesachtik and that wasn't checked out. And, and even beforehand, there's so much stuff in the freezer by the time the Mashiachim come and they're doing costuring, they're spending two, three days costuring. And most of the items are coming in there. There's nobody available to be able to check out every one of those items. Rav it's always wonderful having you on. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great one. Call Tov. Bye-bye. Joining us from Brooklyn, New York, is Rabbi Mordechai Shane, a Talmud of the Mirror Yeshiva for decades. He's over 25 years in Hashgacha. He's done it for the OU, for Av Babad, for Av Gornish, for Av Shimon Eider. He's done many hotels, for Pesach, etc. Welcome, R- Rabbi Shane. Thanks for having me on, and I hope I could uh, be some, somewhat productive. Rabbi <laughs> So, given that you've been in Hashgacha for so for so long, and a real Ben Taira Talmud Chacham, what is the state of Hashgacha? Do you think that we're doing a good job? Have you are there areas we have to improve, etc.? I don't think we're doing a job at all. <laughs> okay, explain. <laughs> I wonder, like, who's really watching things like this? That you know, we have a Rav Marsha. Let's say a caterer does uh, five kiddushes uh, on, a, on a one Shabbos. Do you think the Rav Amash is there by all the Kiddushes all the time? Well, he's not on a doubt if he's there even by one of them. So how does he know what exactly is happening in the Kiddush by the affair? Obviously, you're going to say that he has a Mashgiach there. But the truth is that it's not, of course, he always has a Mashgiach there, which means that someone's supposed to be in charge, but could be that the one who's in charge really doesn't know anything. I was once walking out of shul Friday night, and I saw that they were preparing, must have been a Shevibrochus, or about Mitzvah preparing a whole meal, and I saw there were three young fellas with uh, wearing yarmulkes, and one of them was taking out coleslaw from a coleslaw jar. You know, they have the five-gallon or five-pound container, and he was taking it out with a slotted spoon and shaking out the juice. So I asked who's in charge here, and, you know, finally one of them came, you know, they looked like each one knew less than the other, and one came over and said, okay, he's in charge. So he asked me, what's the problem? So I told him, we have a problem of burial. So he told me, this was Friday night on Shabbos, and he told me, I told him he had a problem of burial. So he said, what's that? I mean, he had no clue what burial was. So I <laughs> not, not, not a good thing for a Mashiach not to know, we would agree. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Wrong answer, yeah. Uh, and, he, uh, and then... Um, 
So I told him, you know, like he's shaking out, he's taking out the juice from the from the coleslaw. So he told me, oh, no problem. Why is it no problem? That's not juice. That's mayonnaise. Yeah. Okay, so these were these three people, and he seemed to know more than the other two. And he's doing a Shabbos uh, meal, not only a Kiddush, but a whole meal that they're going to be serving there. Now, to eat something, you need an Eid Echot, to say that it's kosher, everything is good. The one that doesn't know what Boer is on Shabbos, he's the Eid Echot, he's the one that's saying it's okay. Is he the Mashkir for the Rav Maksha? These are the people that you're relying on. And who, so who is giving the Hesha for that caterer? That would be the question. Right. So I, call, I, I knew the, the fellow that, there was, uh, that made the affair, and I asked him, who's the caterer? So he told me who the caterer was, and he told me that he learned in the yeshiva with this caterer. He's an elephant guy, a film guy, and he must trust him 100%. So I said, fine. I asked him for his phone number, and then I called him up, the caterer, and he told me, yeah, he was the caterer, and he told me that he, that he did this affair. So I asked him, and I told, oh, so I told him what happened. So he tried to give us some kind of excuse. But then he came out the Emmas. He told me like this. He said that who is he supposed to get to be a Mashgiach? To watch, to make sure everything's okay. Rather, this store happened to be in Flatbush. And he told me, do you think he's going to get someone from Torah who knows Halacha? Do you think someone that really knows Halacha, Tamat Chochem, is going to be here Friday night as a Mashgiach? Every Friday night, is that what he's going to do? Every night, someone who knows something, you know, who could be a rubber of a shoe, is going to stand in a restaurant from 9 in the morning to 12 at night, or by a chasna, stand all day. Who are you going to get? And then he tells me, not only that, but he, like, he has three kiddushes a week. He has friends that have about 10 kiddushes a week. He says, where are you going to get 10 people that know halacha to watch? You're not going to find that. And I spoke to other people. Of course, you can't find people. Who, who gave the Hashgacha for this caterer? That would be the question. Yeah, someone gave the Hashgacha. I'm saying so. I would go back to the, the, the firm, whoever it was, you know, whichever company gave the Hashgacha. Had, I mean, the caterer is, he's saying, look, I, I'm doing what I have to do for my business. But it's really a question for the, for the, for the whoever's the mashki, you know, whatever the firm it's using, whatever Hashgacha agency it's using, no? Right. <laughs> of course. But, you know, the big coming and, you know, they have an excuse for everything. Well, let me give you the excuse that they would say. When, when you're eating from a Kiddush, and the guy did boyer through a, through a, to put the coleslaw on the plate. There's a, a, a real argument to be made that you who are eating it are not doing anything wrong. That guy was over on Bayer. Right. right. So it's not a Maisa Shabbos. He could have done it without it, etc. So it doesn't affect the kashrus of the food. It just affects the fact that you have a bunch of mashgichim who are maratzim who are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. But it doesn't affect the kashras. That's probably what the Hashgach agency would tell you. Wait, one second. That's only in what he would answer maybe in Boyer. What do you do about cooking and other things? And second of all, Well, I would imagine that these are taking out of warm boxes, warmers, but there's really very little... Yeah. There's um, this thing with Boyer. It's not... Uh, I don't think it's as simple as he's saying. If a Jew does Boyer for you, I think it's uh, not permitted. Yeah, I'm saying Altamayis Shabbos, there's certainly post him to say that if he did it in the wife in that you could do it beheta. And this guy was ba'atzlus. He did it. So there's many would say there's no problem with Maisa Shabbos. Okay, but if I'm making a kiddush, I don't want to pay for something which is be the avid, you know. And okay. Some people hold it's not good. That's and, a valid point. This is what the Rabbi Machshir is saying. Is this what the oh? So this is the type of hashgach he's giving. He's giving a hashgach where you know it's you could cook, you could do everything. I mean, I went to one place that the Rabbi Machshir asked me to check out for him, and I do the mashgiach there Shabbos. I asked. Him if you ever heard of Bishel. He never even heard of Bishel. The Mashkiach never heard of Bishel. 
Right, so the Mashgir told me, first I asked him about Boyer, did he ever hear Boyer? He said no. Then I asked him about Tchino. So he said, yeah, he thinks he, he does a pizza shop down the So what do you suggest? Should we stop eating by Kedeshim? The truth of the matter is probably 80% or so, it's probably, you know, okay. Most of the things are okay. And maybe you could find a Tavim, you know, that, uh, that it's, uh, is okay. And No, it's not that. It's, it's not a Shailan, it's not a Shailan the food. It's a Shailan the mice of the Mashkia. But if the Mashkia's an Amorit and he thinks you could come to Rajgacha by bus, you took a bus to the Heksha, it doesn't make the food that you're eating problematic. You, you know what I mean? So right. if there was, there's very little cooking that goes on, you know, they're serving chalant and kugel and cake. So, it's, it's honestly, if the food is kasha and, and, and it's coming from a shul kitchen that's fleshing, it's hard to figure out a situation how it could not be kosher. Yeah, but first of all, does, you know, I once, once, when she, I once spoke about this, I said, Mordechai, my, my job over here is to ask the questions, that, right. to take the, uh, you, you, about the person that's making the simcha. I said the person that's making the simcha is make, paying for the simcha, and besides that, paying an extra $100 or $75 for the waiter special. So I'm asking you, do you want to pay $75 for a Jewish guy to come by Khan Shabbos? Is that what you want? Is you want that you should have the waiters doing burial on Shabbos? Do you want that the Mashkiach doesn't know about Bishel, even though there's no Bishel? Is that what you're paying for? Is that what the simple you want? Is that what you, how you want to start off the Chosim and Kala, the Bar Mitzvah boy, that they come to a fair with a such chil Shabbos, but with the average you could eat it? Is that what you want? Is that what you're paying for? So, 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 so what's this? The Rebbe Machshe, is this what the Machshe says? Oh yeah, you could do it. The, the waiters could come by Khan Shabbos, and you could do Bari, you could do this, you could do everything, and you could do Hazorah, but because everything that the other is okay. I once spoke, and I, I once told someone that, you know, that uh, about the problem of Jewish waiters coming by Khan Shabbos. About a week later, he comes over to me and says he spoke to the Rebbe Machshe, and the Rebbe Machshe said he does not allow waiters to come by Khan Shabbos. So I said, oh, very nice, it's very nice to hear him. Happy to hear that. How are they coming? But but could you please tell me how he knows that the way the Jewish ways are not coming by Khan Shabbos? So he tells me what do you mean? He told me. So I said I believe you and I believe him that uh, he doesn't allow them to come by Khan Shabbos. But you could t- could you tell me how he knows? He told you know. He's not a chaplain. So I said, yeah, okay, let's try to figure out how he knows. Here's what I'm telling him. I said, does he hire the waiters? You know, let's say he gives us three hashgachas. So each kiddush has about three waiters. We're talking about nine waiters. I said, do you think that he hires all nine waiters and he checks them out? So he says, probably not. So I said, do you think he goes down to all three kiddushes to check if they're, if they're Jewish or not? Probably not. He says, oh, so you're telling me that this Rav Amaksha is a novi. He gives a Russian shoe, he davens there, he comes home, he has his kiddush, is chunk, he goes to sleep, but somehow he's a Novi and he knows that there are no Jewish waiters that come by Khan Shabbos. So I told him, I, Agav, I want you to know that about two weeks ago, someone was making a simcha and hired a caterer under this guy's hashgacha, this was hashgacha, and I was, he hired me, I was the mashgich there, and three of the waiters came by Khan Shabbos. Three Jewish guys came by Khan Shabbos. Not only that, but they wanted to leave. Why do they want to leave? Because I didn't let them do anything. They wanted to use hot water. Oh, yeah, they had a, a, a herring jar, and they wanted to take out the juice, so they took a, a strainer, and they wanted to pour the herring into the strainer so that all the liquid should come out. So I told him, you can't do it. All right, that's Mamish Boyer. No, I think you can't do it. So he said, and a few other things I was telling them that they can't do. They want to leave, and this is this person's hashgachah. So, so, so what's the, so what's the solution, Amar? 
Kali Yisrael is going to, people are going to, not going to say we're going to stop eating by Kedeshim. What would you tell people? What's the, what's the solution? One solution is that the people should hire their own mashkiach, some of them know something, and they should be mashkiach. If you're paying thousands of dollars for a simcha, pay another few hundred dollars to make sure that everything is kosher. So, so wait, so, so what do we have to get? Like a Rosh Kail to be the Mashiach? Like, what's the darg of somebody who you have to have as a Mashiach? Like, some of them know something. Some of them know some halacha. So you're saying that, know. and don't the, the big Kashrus agencies, the, the, the OU and the Chafke and the Sarkat, they don't know that the Mashiachim have to know something? <laughs> you have to ask them that. <laughs> okay. Because the OU, when they hire, all these casual agents, when they hire someone, do they for him? Do they give him a test? You know, they ask him if he knows better. They assume that the guy knows. So, so let me ask you a question, Rabbi. So, so wait, so let's go. So, Rabbi Shane, would you, suge- would you suggest the Balabas is making a, a Semchi, saying he should hire his own Mashkiach? Should he have to fahir the Mashkiach beforehand? He should find out about this Mashkiach if he knows Halach, if he knows something. So my question will be, do you think that the OU, before they hire a mashkiach, finds out if he knows something? Um, I don't know. You know what? We'll get somebody from the OU, but it's not fathomable to me that the answer would be no to that. It's just not. It's like saying, would you hire a bus driver and not check if he has a license? It's the equivalent, right? Mm-hmm. You're saying they would hire bus drivers and they didn't know if they had licenses? That means you, they would take, let's say they'd hire Yeshiva Bacher and think that the Yeshiva Bacher, you know, probably knows something. They would hire someone that they think knows, but that doesn't mean that they really know. A Yeshiva Bacher, he could be the best, he can give a Shemaim and everything, but does that mean he knows Allah? Remember, when you go to a Kiddush, when you go to these affairs, you have sto- things there that, that don't happen in your, your house. There are a lot of shayas that come up that don't happen by you in your house or every day. Different things happen, and... The person's not looking for it. He's not watching for it because he doesn't even dream that these things are going to happen. It's not conscious of it. So when you walk in the street, you know, and then afterwards you ask a guy, you saw that person there? Was he wearing glasses? Do you know if he was wearing glasses? You weren't concentrating. Your mind is not on it. There are a lot of things that they do which you don't, you know, they don't concentrate on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your point is is that the, the, a lot of the mashkichim know very little in your experience, and therefore somebody who's making a kiddush should personally hire the mashkia rather than um, depending on the kashrus agencies that's giving the hashgacha. Yeah, that's what I that's think. Your point. Yeah. That, that, yeah. And he, sh- he should know that whether the person knows halacha or not. Yeah, yeah. For I thank you very much for being my the oilam. This is a point I've never heard before. Hire your own mashkichim. Thank you very much. Yes. Okay? Yeah, okay. Wait, well, let me, let me just ask you one or two more questions. You've been a mashkiach in hotels, right? Yeah. Would you eat in a hotel on Pesach? If, if, if I was the Rav HaMaksu? Yeah. If, if I saw it was okay, I would eat there. You would eat there. It can be done correctly, you're saying. Yeah. Um, if I'm the Rav Maksha, it could be done correctly, basically. Yeah. If I'm not the Rav Maksha, then there's problems. I was once on the head mashkiach for Rav Maksha, and I had to leave a mill of Pesach. Could you tell us that story? Yeah. Oh, see, this is also a problem. Someone wanted me to... Uh, a coil was making love of Malka, so they asked me to... A coil there knew me, so he asked me to be private much gear for it, and he was making a catering call. And so you hired the caterer. Uh, but as I told him, before I give the health I want to go down and check it out, see if it's okay. So I went down, and I met the Mashkia. So, first of all, for some reason, I asked the Mashkia, could be it was after Pesach or something. So I asked the Mashkia if the Kalem were titled. If they titled it. So he said, no, they weren't titled. So I asked him why. So he said, because what they did was they sold the Kalem to a guy, and then they bought it back from him. Okay? This is the Mashkia. 
So I told him, I understand. Why they buy it back or why they sell it? No, that's that's what they did. He said, doesn't know exactly why, but basically this is what they did. And he said, if I want to find out more, I should ask another mashkiach or something like that. Okay, so this is the guys we're relying on. So then we went and did a convection oven. Convection oven, the way it works in many places, most people don't have it in the house, but they have it in catering places in most hotels. How it works is like this, that when... You open the door, that means you put it on, and the fire goes on, plus there's a fan that goes on. When you open the door, the fan and the fire go off. And when you, then when you close the door, the fire goes back on. You don't have to put on any matches or anything. Just the door itself opens and closes the fire. So that's electric. Now, that's the newer ones. It used to be that there used to be a pilot light. But now there's new ones. Most of them have, you open and close the door, that puts it on. So therefore, let's say for goyim are cooking, the caterer has goyim cooking, not Jews. So that's a stickle problem. Because when the goy, that means even if the mashkia comes in in the morning and puts it on, but when the goy opens the door to put the food in, everything goes off. And then when he closes the door, so everything goes on and then gets cooked. It comes out that's Mamish Bishalakam. So, what, 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 so this, is, this, is, this is, you mean you're talking about on, uh, not on Shabbos, during the week? During the week, right, not on Shabbos. This is during the week. You're saying that when you open the door, the fire of Mamish goes out on a convection oven? Right, yeah. On these ovens, you know, not, not all, but most of them, the latest, you know, they, that's the way it works. That's a Matthias. That's not a halachad din or shayla. That's a, a fact. That's a Matthias. You're saying if it's, if it's a convection oven and it turns off when he opens it and it turns back on when he closes it, so the guy turns on the fire in effect. Right, so that should be mamish bishulakim, right? So there's a whole thing. It depends how long the door was open. If you keep the door open, you know, just open and closed, so the heat and the oven... You know, if you left the door closed for a while, the heat goes up, let's say, 300 degrees, and then you open the door for two minutes, so it still stays, you know, 275 to cook. So you have some hotelium like that, so it's not. But if you leave the door open for more than a few minutes, then you have a problem with your and which, during the day, usually that's what happens. You know, you don't know how long the door was open or what. It's them. So therefore, so I asked this mashkiach, um, who opens and closes the door? Who does it? So I said, the going do all the cooking. So I said, but uh, so why is it not Bishalakim? So he said, there's a pilot light here. So I said, who says, are you sure? Did you see it? Do you know if there's a pie like there? Says he thinks there's a pie like there. You know, otherwise, how does it work? So I told him, you know, when you open the door, everything goes off. When you close it, it goes back on. So I told him that he should ask his Rav Amashir. He should ask his Rav Amashir, you know, if it has a pie like or not. You know, the next day he gets back to me and tells me that he spoke to Rav Amashir, and the Rav Amashir told him that he should be the one to open and close the door. Do you understand what happened here? Well, it seems that the Rav HaMasha missed this point. That, mean, that means that this Mashkiach did not know there's no party light, and therefore, all the time they were cooking, it was Mamish Bishulatam, until this Rav HaMasha told them. Wait, so I told this to the, to the one that hired me, wanted to hire me, I said, I can't be a Mashkiach here. I mean, you have to kasha the oven and the pots and the pans. All the pots and Bishulatam, you have to kasha the pots, yeah? Right. Everything's with Shalakim. You have to catch everything. So the whole story there, so I asked the Rav, you know, so he told me to ask the Rav. Anyway, so Maisa, he spoke to Rav Amaksha, and they said they will mask him to, um, to Kasha. They were going to Kasha. That means they were that, you know, that there was a problem here. Now, where's the Heksha that you know this is the way the ovens work? So you think the Mashkichim know how it works? Did you know how it works? Did you know it works like that? 
Um, I'll, but, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I do about convection ovens. I never realized they go off before. So, like, you know, you're technologically, you know, you're saying a Kiddush. I could I see a Heksha missing it, can't you? No, I don't see it at all. You know why I don't see it at all? Why? Because this Heksha, they, rather, happens to be this Heksha gives maybe 100 Hekshayim. Oh. And most of the stores have convection ovens. So does the Rafa Masha doesn't know how the convection oven works? If he doesn't know how it works, what is he doing there? Right. That means all his hundred Hakshayim are all Bishul Akram. Wow. So obviously they know because he told them that, that he told his Mashkir that he should uh, that he should open and close the door. So don't you think that the Rafa Masha, when he hires a Mashkir, he should tell him how the convection oven works? Right. And he doesn't tell him? Right. This is Hashkocha. And glad I was once a Mashkir in the same under the same Hashkocha about a year before that or so. And uh Mashkir came in, you know, while I was there, I asked the Mashkir, how does this convection oven work? Does it have a private light? So he looks at me as if I came from Mars, like no one ever asked him this Shiloh before. And he's thinking and thinking. Then he says that I should speak to the owner of the store, maybe he knows. Not not a good not a good set of facts, I understand. Right, so do you understand this? This is what's going on. So anyway, what I wanted to say was that with this place where I was um, the Mashgir for Pesach, so I saw the oven there. You know, if, when you have experience, you know, basically figure out if it has a private light or not. So I figured this one doesn't have a private light. So I told the Rav Hamashu that it doesn't have a private light. You know, this is this Rav Hamashu was there who knows how many years. And the one who, the Mashgir from Bilis, the years before, you know, couldn't, uh, I guess, couldn't come, so he, they took me. And and I told him there's no pilot light here. There's, I told him there's no pilot light here. So he said, there is. So I said, okay, I don't think so. So anyway, when he wasn't looking, I went over to the engineer, and I asked him if there's a pilot light here. So he said, no, of course not. <laughs> so I said, if you don't mind, could you take off the panel, and you could see if there's a pilot light or not. So he took off the panel, and there's no pilot light. So I went, and afterwards I told the Reverend Maxi, you know, the, what happened? I told him what happened, and there's no pilot light here. So, you know, he turned red, you know, and what are you supposed to do? So he you felt the cash in the Kalem again. No. So he so he came so he came up with a heter that in a, there's a shita, the Taz brings down a shita that in a basic swirl there's no bishalakam. Even if a guy cooks in a basic swirl, it's no uh, bishalakam. And why is this a basic swirl? This is a catering hall. Even the Taz is not talking about a catering facility. He's talking about in the house of the Yisrael, there's no dinner bishalakam. He says, the whole dinner bishalakam, etc. He's talking about you go to, a, to somebody else's house. In your house, there's no wichimakol. In the catering hall, you don't have the heter of the Taz. Wait one second. Why don't you have the heter of the Taz? catering hall, it's only Jews. That doesn't matter. The whole, the whole thing is in a house. In your house, there's no bishalakam. In your house, you're not, there's no dinner. In your house, you're going to be makbed. But in, in, a, in a place where strangers come, there's no hat there of the Taz. Right. So you disagree with this, Rav Amaksha? I'm just telling you that the Taz is not talking about in a, in, a, in a restaurant or catering facility. He's talking about in your house. Yeah, okay. So anyway, this is what he said, told me. So I told him that I'm not going to stay in a place where they serve Bishalakim with a hetter of this Taz that you want to say. And second of all, I told him that the people here, you know, they must have had about a thousand guests. I said, you know how much money the people are paying here? It happened to be a, a fence, you know, more above the high-class hotel. And the people who are paying there maybe 50, and a hotel, In a hotel, you're going to say there's a dinner basis so you stroll. It's absurd. Okay, continue, yeah. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a kosher right? catering hall would have been a halbatsara. Okay, continue, yeah. You think they would if they would eat here if they knew, that was your point. That what? You're asking, would they um 
you, right. you, people know the people paying fifty thousand dollars. Would they know that they're eating bishalak? Um, you know, with that bishalak, but with a hetero of this tiles, would they be asking to pay for that? Right. Wow. So nothing. Right. So okay, this is what's going on. So I told him I can't be here. So my says, so there, I talked didn't eat anything. They even to the say that I couldn't eat anything. I, I was after I finished the say that I was still positive. <laughs> <laughs> so I left. So I left. But what happened was also with Yontif. You know, I couldn't leave before Yontif. You know, I left Chalamoid. So during Yontif, one of the things that happened was that um, that electric went for some reason. Something happened with the electric. So now, how are you going to cook? You know, most um, most of the things were electric. Let's say the soup kettle was electric. You know, you turn it on with electric. So how are you going to cook there? It's, uh, so the guy had to put on the electric. So if the guy put it on and you cook there, so that's Ramish Bishalakim, right? So I told the one Mashgiach what he should do is he should put the food in. You know, if the guy puts on right, the so it's a mice mice Yisrael, right? Right, so if the Jew puts the food on, so then it's okay. Or, or what else you could do is you could heat up water on on the stove and pour some of that water into the thing. without the same the same of two. Oh, but continue, yeah. So I told him he should put the food in. So, so I know. So and then I left, and I know Mashkichim. I know how much they know. So about two minutes later, I come back to check up to see if he's doing. And then I see that the goyim are putting the food in. So I ask him. I thought I told you that uh, that you should uh, put the food in. So I say, So he said, Yeah. He put the uh, two pieces in. He thought yeah. all you have to do is to put two pieces in, and that's it. Okay. You know why he mixed that up? He, he mixed it up because the Ramah says even if you just turn the food, it has a din of special yisrael, but it has to be. To that chaticha, it's not matter, not a chaticha. I don't think he mixed that up. And which and which 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 kashrus agency was? Think he knew that that remark. So which kashrus agency? Which kashrus agency was that? There was no kashrus agency. Um, Pesach usually don't have. Most hotels are not done by kashrus agencies. They're done by private government. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, another, another case happened that the electric went off. By coming, I see uh, the mashgiach looking the way one of the guys were cooking. So I asked him, what happened here? So he told me that the electric taco went off and the guy put the fire on. But the mashgiach tells me, I want you to know I was standing here from beginning to the end watching exactly <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> he thought I had a dinner at Adis He thought I had a dinner at Adis Kedushin or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. He said whatever he put in was kosher. Everything in there yeah. was 100% kosher. Okay, this is a mashgiach. No, it's not a mashgiach. We're relying on all the thousand people. You think the Rav was there watching this guy? But where you? So what was your position there? I was the head mashgiach to check and watch that everything should be okay. So there was Simach on you, like, or was there somebody over you? The Rav was over me. Uh-huh. And this Rav is like, and this Rav is somebody you do? I mean, it doesn't seem he knows anything. No, and he was telling me, you know, he says that whatever he does, he shoes from the safety. I was a safety. It's like, yeah, he wants it's okay and this. But, but this Itaka held it wasn't good. But see, he was also wasn't on top of it, you know. Like they were kashiving, doing Haggola. So I told the Mashkir, you know, what you're doing is no good. So I said, why? So I said, it's not the, the water's not bubbling. So he puts his hand on the pot, side of the pot and says, you know, look, how hot it is. It's more than Yatsu lettuce. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is what he says. So I went and told the Rav Amashio. So the Masha comes back and sees, and he says, yeah, that the water has to be more. And then the Rav Masha leaves. He didn't stay to make sure that the guy does it right or anything. You know, he had no problem with it. Yeah, to make sure it's okay, you know, <laughs> a little hotter. You think the guy made it hotter? You know, I saw who I was dealing with uh, that, you know, I just gave up. There's no one to to deal with. And this is what goes on. And the Balabas of the hotel of the hotel didn't care of this program? The Balabas of the, the program? Yeah. 
Yeah, he cared. Uh, to, a stick, to a certain extent, he cared, you know. Uh, the Kalem one to table, none of this was tabled. I only used the paper plates. When I, I, I finally came out and I told the, the caterer, so he he realized there's a problem here. The child is what to do, you know. He's not going to close the program and all that. So the mice, uh, he got, you know, after I left, he got another mashgiach to take care. And he told me that he will never use this Rebbe Maksha again. That means he doesn't want to embarrass him. He'll hire him, you know, to be like a... Uh, make believe he's the head mashkiach, but he's going to get someone else and line someone else. Is this a well-known Rav Hamachshir? I mean, people use him. I was, the one called, the guy was telling me this year, you know, like in the hotel, they had, um, they couldn't lock the kitchen. For some reason, they couldn't lock up the kitchen. So they had one mashkiach, uh, his shift was to, um, his shift was to take care, to stay overnight and watch the kitchen. So we asked him, what are you watching? So he said he's watching that they don't mix Fleishiks and Milchiks, the Kalim. So he said, well, about Bosch and Salman Ayin. What's that? <laughs> you know. The Rav HaMachshir said, who said this? Rav HaMachshir said, what's for Bosch and Salman Ayin? No, Mashkir. Mashkir. Mashkir asked another Mashkir, what are you doing about Bosch and Salman Ayin? So the Mashkir said, what's that? And yeah. no clue what Bosch and Salman Ayin is. And I had that also when I went to places. They don't know what Bosnian is. Uh, Mashkir and Janeway don't know. I'm telling you, man. But I say this was fascinating. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Okay? Kulta. Okay. All the best. Bye-bye, Kulta.